bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. Thanks for streaming in here on Birds 365. You got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald here hanging with you. As the healing continues, uh, is it really healing? Uh, after the Eagles' last second, very disappointing, borderline debacle-like uh, loss to the Seattle Seahawks. John, now we're 24 hours more removed from when you and I talked yesterday. The game didn't get any better looking on film. Um, the standings didn't change at all. They are where they're at right now. Uh, and, yeah, the Eagles went their separate ways after they got off the plane. When they touch back from Seattle, they'll finally regroup as a team today. What do you think an extra 24 hours does, either positively or negatively, for the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think time heals all wounds, but uh, yeah, so it always helps as you get further away from the, the most uh, recent debacle a little bit. And I still think that the best Christmas present they could have gotten is about to arrive on uh, Christmas. Um, and that's Tommy DeVito and the Giants offense. Now, I do think the Giants defense has been uh, a little bit better, so might be more concerned with the Eagles offense all of a sudden. Um, but we'll see how that shakes out. We got plenty of time to talk about that. I, I do think after watching the game, and this is typical of any game, it's never as bad as you think. It's never as good as you think if it's really good. And there were some positives. I thought, you know who played really well? Nick Morrow. Yeah, I mean really well. Yeah, uh, linebackers I, play. And and I thought Leonard played okay too, and they didn't even play him all that much. They were in big nickel as much as they were in two linebacker sets. Yeah. I didn't think he played badly, but Morrow played well. You're right. Yeah. Morrow, Morrow played really well. Um, and he had the one hiccup and really he's been a solid player. Most of the season, I thought Jalen Carter played really well. Um, and, and, you know, I think they should moving forward. They should try to build this defense around him. Uh, I thought, some other, I thought Ringo played really well, getting thrown into the deep end. And, you know, that's one of those things that, uh, you know, 
he he did not play well in practice when we got to see practice and and we talked about it and did not look ready. There's some players who just aren't good practice players and they're so gifted when you throw them in the deep end, they tend to show up a little bit. I don't know if that's going to be him. It's obviously a very small sample size, but I thought that was a positive uh, getting him out there. And and Sidney Brown, I've talked about a lot, had a terrible day tackling. I'm not trying to 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 hide that fact, but you just see the 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 skill set, the ability. So if that clicks at some point, I think you might have something down the line. Um, um, and then offensively early, that that my biggest concern with the offense is they were moving the football early. They were they were running the ball pretty well. Um, mixing it, you know, quick throws. Um, and then they got away from it and they got bogged down and they're always looking for stuff down the field, which was my biggest criticism of um, the final drive and even the Quez Watkins play. Why are you pushing things when you're moving the ball? They're playing too deep. They're playing, you know, take what they're giving you. So I don't, I don't know. And that could be, Nick Sirianni, that could be Brian Johnson, that could be Jalen Hurts, could be a combination of all three. Um, but but that's that remains a concern. Um, yeah, so I think you know as you get farther away, you start to get more less emotion, more logic, and there were some good things, but a loss is a loss. That that's. Uh, fight when you get to the end that's the bottom line now the you know uh, i'm not the biggest quez watkin fan and i'm only half kidding no <laughs> i i haven't gotten that hasn't come across on that then let me double down on it for you um, <laughs> the only way you throw that ball to quez watkins is if he has 10 yards of separation and even with 10 yards of separation i think i'd be a little slow on the trigger i'd probably pull it but i might be a little hesitant to do so you're throwing it to Quez Watkins when he's relatively covered. It makes no sense whatsoever. That's just a bad decision. And I know he's on the team. He's running the route. You have to, but you don't have to throw it to him. And Jalen chose to throw it to him. That's a bad decision, plain and simple. The minute the ball left his hand, it was a bad decision. Forget about the fact that it was picked off on the other end. That's just a bad decision on the quarterback. That's on him and, and nobody else. Um, well, and Quez himself, of course, who makes no attempt to take the ball away from the defender whatsoever, but that's something we've been talking about with Quez for a while. Um, yeah, you're giving uh, Jalen Carter more credit than me. Um, uh, he had that one great series where he blows up a running play by pushing the man in front of him into the backfield five yards. Now that jumps out on film, you're holy mackerel, you just don't see that. And he is capable of those plays. And then two plays later, he gets the sack, which, oh, by the way, they ruled it was an incomplete. And then Pete uh, Carroll takes a timeout, which allows the Eagles to get a better look at it and go, oh, no, his knee was down. So they end up getting a sack. Thank you, Pete Carroll. Uh, he <laughs> that was great in that series. Terrible. And other than that, he did nothing. No one else on the defensive line did. Fletcher Cox got a legit sack. And – I don't know why they didn't give Brandon Graham a half a sack. I give him a half a pizza. I give it a Fletch, which I think he touched him first, but Brandon finished him off. Uh, but those two guys each, uh, were each involved. Where was the sound, Reddick? 
Did did Swift play? Uh, did Sweat play? These are their highly touted, vaunted, highly paid defensive ends who got no no sacks whatsoever, very little pressures, and zero pressures on that final drive. A lot of what we've said in defense of the Eagle defensive line is well, last year, you know, they were always playing from ahead so they could just pin their ears back and go. What do you think Seattle was doing in that last drive? I'm guessing they're passing on every single play. So you can, quote, unquote, pin your ears back and go. They didn't get close to them. They didn't get close to lock on any of those plays. Where is that defensive line that is supposed to be one of the best in the net, if not the best in the National Football League? Well, I know expectations. When I when I rewatch a game, what I like to do, and I, I take my notes and I, I write down what I think happened, and then I like to go to PFF and see what they grade and see how are, are we matching up or are we not matching up. And the guys I mentioned, Morrow to me was the best defensive player on the field for the Eagles. Um, and, and sure enough, they had him number one. Um, and I mentioned Carter, and Carter was number two, and I mentioned Ringo, and he got a really good grade, and I mentioned Sidney Brown. Now, Sidney got a bad grade, but I understand why, because he got a bad grade because of his tackling, and he did tackle, and my uh, my my assumption with him is, yeah, he made some bad tackling mistakes, but he's in position to make those tackles, so I think long-term it's a positive so I understand why they gave him a bad grade. But those guys played well and uh, uh, overall. Now, look, I, I don't think they're playing the right defense. Um, I've said that from a long time. Um, to take advantage of, of, of the players and, and what they need to do up front. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like a broken record when I talk about the Fangio scheme because I am a broken record. It's like you and Quez, right? I, I hate the scheme. I don't like it. And when your best players, um, and it's weird to say of a rookie, but he's certainly your most gifted player. I'll say it that way. Um, and you're trying to play this gap and a half type scheme instead of, under tackle, go get the quarterback. I don't think it, I think it does a disservice and I think you'll see a change in the off season. However, whoever the defensive coordinator is going to be, however, I don't think you can do it at this stage. So part of it is that, um, uh, and they're going to try to make do in the final weeks of the season and the playoffs, however long that lasts. And I think it'll be better. I've said it pretty consistently, but I think a lot of the, and it was better in Seattle, but a lot of that has to do with the competition and the competition coming up. And then when you reach Dallas or Detroit or San Francisco, that's going to be the true test. And my, my assumption is it's not going to be pretty um, defensively. So you're going to have to outscore those teams. You're going to have to win a shootout. Are they capable of winning a shootout? And we go to the offensive side of the ball. Right now, they don't look capable of winning a shootout. Um, so to me, it's a little bit more disappointing on the offensive side of the ball because I know what they're working with defensively at this stage, and it is what it is. Um, they're not that good on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they should be good, and they're not that good right now. 
Now, should the defensive line be playing better? The defensive front? Yes, they should be playing better. You mentioned Sweat. He had a bad grade. I didn't mention him. Um, he's struggling. Um, uh, uh, Hassan Reddick was average, but you need more than average. Yeah. Um, Milton Williams was average, but you need more than average. Fletch had a pretty good grade. They gave him, but I he didn't. I I, I wasn't wowed. Brandon Fletch had got a, one of their two sacks. Brandon had, two had a sacks all game, and Fletch got one of them. I think yeah, Fletch but had, I, had I, a surprisingly yeah. good year. I got to get Chris Long on this show. Chris Long went on a rant about context yesterday on Kevin Clark's show, and it was partially pressures, but even if you take pressures out of it, um, it just context in general, it was a great rant. I got I got to try to get him on the show. Um, because, and it, and it was using quarterbacks because that's the easiest example. It, it, scheme... And what you're playing matters. So I was, you know, a lot of people said when San Francisco was here and they were going up and down the field, what would Jalen Hurts do with those weapons? Jalen Hurts actually wouldn't be that good in that offense. And vice versa, uh, Brock Purdy, if you put Brock Purdy in this offense, he wouldn't be good. It, it, the context matters. Um, and, you know, you can't just pluck somebody and say, oh, go do it. The, the whole thing of coaching is you're supposed to take advantage of the players you have and what they do best. Those, to me, are the best coaches. A lot of the guys are just, you know, their scheme or die. Um, and the Eagles seem to be that too much defensively. Now, they've shifted now, so hopefully it changes because Matt Patricia is not a Fangio guy. But there's only so much you can do in season. You can't and 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 you can't shift and you have the personnel for that defense and you've been playing that defense for almost two years. You, there's there's only so much you can do. All right. So let me let me uh pose a question to you. And I know we gotta stay in the moment and remember they got three games to go, three winnable games, three games they're gonna be a favorite in. And oh, by the way, 12 and a half point favorites over the Giants. Yeah. Has has Las Vegas been asleep for three weeks? Have they not watched the Eagles play the that's, last three that's weeks? Got, that's more to say about the Giants than the Eagles. Twelve and a half points. I yeah. I don't agree with Vegas, but that's just me. Um, what's the chance that, and I know a lot of it hinges on what the Eagles do in these final three games and then whatever playoff run they make or don't make. What's the chance that Matt Patricia is the defensive coordinator here next year? I'm a lot of it depends. I mean, if they, they make a deep run in the playoffs, I think there's a good chance. Right, but the expectations are where they are. Yeah. Do you think the expectations are going to actually lower in the eyes of Roseman and Laurie? And they go, no. Yeah, but, you no. know, he didn't take over till, and the ball had already started rolling downhill, so how can we hold that against Matt? What do you think the expectations are where they were at the start of the season, which is we're going back to the big game. Yeah, I well, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a dis. Either way, it's going to be a disappointment. As I said, if they go out early, there's going to be scapegoats, and you know, whether Nick Sirianni wants there to be scapegoats, he's going to be forced to to start the scapegoating process. We've already seen that uh, with Jeffrey Lurie, so I think that's comfortable to say. I don't know where he is with Matt Patricia. 
to be honest, because he didn't have a relationship. Do so, so you believe it's it's Jeff Lloyd pulling all the strings? No, no. I believe he made the decision um, to go away from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. But I'm saying after the season, uh, Jeffrey Lurie will demand scapegoats um, at, you know, if they don't reach where they want to reach. And you could argue whether that has to be the Super Bowl, whether that has to be winning the Super Bowl, which I think is kind of silly. And I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just, that's his history. Um, they, it is what it is. And you start that process. It starts with the scapegoating. Then it turns to the head coach. Once you scapegoat and don't turn it around with the new guys, then 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 the clock starts on the head coach. That's sort of how it works around here. Um, as far as this particular decision, by all indications from everything I get, it was Nick's decision. Obviously, he has to get the approval of uh, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie. You can't do something that just walk in the building and say, hey, I'm doing this. So they have to be on board. But they didn't force him to do it. Um, now, he doesn't have a history with Patricia. He didn't have a history with Sean Desai. Those were both, as I said, how they do it. Um, it, it you know, when when Nick has certain guys like Kevin Petulo, Jason Michael, guys like that, he's close to, and he put them in specific jobs. Um, Shane Steichen, uh, Jonathan Gannon, uh, even though Gannon was sort of on their radar before Nick got the job, but he was okay with it. He knows him very well, obviously. Um, so, and then there were other positions where he didn't have a handpicked guy. And in those instances, Howie gathers a group of candidates and, and Nick would choose the one he likes. That's sort of what happened at defensive coordinator. Didn't have a history. Obviously, the plan was to go with Vic, Vic Fangio, but the timing didn't work out. Um, and they went and got a direct disciple of Vic Fangio. Made sense. Uh, but Nick didn't have a relationship with him. He didn't have a relationship with Matt Patricia either. And how we sort of turned things in that direction. So I don't know where he is with Matt Patricia. As they work together on a day-to-day basis, maybe they've grown closer. Maybe maybe they have a better relationship. Maybe they have a very good relationship. Maybe it's just a he's better than Sean Desai type of thing, and I want to go get my defensive coordinator after the season. Could be any of those avenues. Um, but you think Nick's going to be the one making a call, not above? Now, that in the offseason, no, everything's on the table. Everything's on the table. Uh, that's what I'm I saying, asked. I said, what's the chances that Patricia's uh, going to be the defensive coordinator next year? So that means an off-season decision. Everything's on it. That'll depend on how they finish. You know, if Jeffrey comes in and says, no, I don't like it the way it finished. I don't like it. That's you're in Doug Peterson realm. That's what happened to Doug. Doug said, I want Mike Rowe back. I like Mike Rowe. He's growing in the position. He's getting better. Um, and Jeffrey said, no. He even went out and said it to us, kind of trying to push the envelope, saying, "I now, a lot of people forget in, in 2016, Jeffrey wanted Frank Reich fired. Yeah. And Doug pounded the table for him. 
uh, and got him back. And then the rest is history. And now he's, uh, uh, you know, the savior for a lot of people. Um, he wanted him fired. Um, so a, a lot of the, the offseason stuff depends on how they're going to finish. Um, but even if they finish well, um, I assume the assumption there would be, and say by finish well, I don't mean win the Super Bowl. If he wins the Super Bowl, he can do whatever he wants. Right. If he loses, say, in the NFC Championship game, and they lose to San Francisco by, I don't know, 17 points or something like that. So not not terrible, but not good either. Um, then you start saying, he might want certain things. He might say, you know what? It's not working. Your thought process with the defensive side of the football. I want to go in a different direction. So everything's on the table in the offseason. Now, I think part of it may be how much is Patricia willing to adjust his mindset? Because you're right. He's not a Fangio guy. He's never been a Fangio guy. And he's at this time going to be coaching a team that was put together to play the Fangio defense so he can only tweak and change so much on the fly. Number one, I don't think Sirianni wants him to. And number two, it w- wouldn't be smart to do so, to ask a guy to do something completely different on the fly with three weeks to go in the season. So, yeah, I, I absolutely believe it's going to come down to how they play. And if Patricia really wants the gig, will he be able to find that compromise position between what he truly believes in and what Sirianni is looking for out of his defensive coordinator if uh, Sirianni has got the juice to uh, dictate who the defensive coordinator is going to be. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac. It's a Wednesday, so we're hoping to hear from our boy down the shore. That would be Mike Gill of 93.7 ESPN, the Sports Bash. Gill jumps in on Wednesday mornings. He is expected next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got your Mega Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Bird 365. Haven't heard from our boy Mike Gill yet. Hopefully he checks in. He's coming shortly. in five minutes or so. The tile guy showed up at his house. The tile guy. What was he having done last week? Uh, bathroom. Same thing? Still, yeah, still okay. getting the bathroom redone. Mike Gill might have the best bathroom in all of South Jersey by the time this is all said and done. But uh, all right, supposedly Gill. And and to Gil's credit, for those of you who missed it last week, and remember here on YouTube, you always go back and watch it. It's 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 always there for your viewing pleasure, even after the fact. Gil was great last week. He takes the computer with him and he's moving around the house because he's worried about the noise in the background. He he, he gave you talk about effort. Jalen yeah. Jalen Hurts is worried about the commitment of the Philadelphia Eagles. I am not worried about the commitment of Mike Gill because he went above and beyond last week to try and give us quality video and audio for his appearance here on Birds 365. And John says he'll be here in less than five. That's a good thing. Uh, but I, I do want to revisit. I want to revisit it with him. We'll start with you, Johnny Mac. The whole Jalen Hurts wonders about the commitment of the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a a both enlightening and a fear-evoking quote, uh, quote for me, they tried to follow up on him and say, well, what do you mean by the committed uh, commitment might not be what it needs to be, the commitment of the team are committed enough. And Jalen went down the road of, well, I don't have a dictionary to define commitment for you. Really? You said it, now you're going to try and hide behind? You're not sure what the definition of commitment is? Well, then why do you use that word? Jalen knew what he was saying. He just thought better of it in quickly 2020 hindsight. Johnny, anyway, you slice it. He, he, he reading into what Jalen may have meant, you think he meant, it's not good anyway. You look at it, is it? Can you can you even begin to come up with a? Well, I can understand. Let me explain it to you. I, I can't do that. Uh, so I'll ask it to you this way. What's the first thing you thought of when he said that? What did you think he was referring to? Which, again, given Jalen credit, he said, starts with me. And he usually does. He says, I'm the quarterback. I'm the leader. It's got to start with me. And I wasn't good enough. Didn't hold up to the standard, whatever else. What did you think he was referring to? 
Uh, I think he was speaking extemporaneously and made a mistake. Uh, you know, we didn't execute. I think he said blah, blah, which is his usual robotic. Remember, he was sick. So who knows? Maybe he had a fever. And then I think I said, I, I don't think we were committed enough. Right. Uh, just got to turn it around. I think he was speaking in game. And then, you know, people jump on that and say being committed enough. And you, you know me on press conferences. I'm like, these guys aren't under oath. So, you know, sometimes we as reporters act like, you know, oh, we got him cross-examination. <laughs> what do you mean by commitment? And then he threw out the dictionary. Well, you're giving him a pass for that last night. Yeah, huh? I'm giving him. I'm giving him. I'm not. I'm yeah, not. Yeah. Well, he that's why. Said I... it, he said it. And the fact that. I think it was our buddy Zach Berman who tried to follow up and and get him to give a further definition on commitment. Uh, sometimes when you're sick, the, the truth comes out rather than That's just true. oh, I'll cut him some true. slack because he wasn't feeling well. No, sometimes your guard is down and you say something that you mean that. And if there's one guy in this locker room that's guarded to begin with. It's Jalen Hurts more than anyone else. He's more guarded. He's the most, might be the most guarded quarterback I've ever seen the Philadelphia Eagles have in what he says. Well-trained uh, at Saban University. I thought he let his guard down and actually said something that was worthy of follow-up and trying to figure out. John, not good. That, that was my take. What, However he meant it, whatever he was referring to, I don't think it was a good sign. I think it's... Uh, if anything, maybe a, a portend of things to come, which is not good. Now, the quality of the competition may be able to right all ships because uh, they've got three winnable games here to finish out the season. But I, I was I was dismayed by that uh, comment that Hurts made. Last well, here's why, and you can call it giving a pass. I'll say it a different way. I'll say it as I, I don't think Jalen Hurts gives you anything in good times. And I don't think he gives you anything in bad times. I think he's, <clears throat> I think he's extremely guarded. And I think misspeaking, coming up with the wrong word or whatever, I don't think it's meaningful. Nor do I think his T-shirt slogans are meaningful um, when the Eagles are ten and one. And I don't think this is meaningful when they lost three in a row. I don't think he gives you anything meaningful at any point. Um, so that's where I am. You got nothing from Jalen Hurts. Nothing. And that's in good times and bad times. And he's just not going to be above board. So yeah, you know, there are certain yeah. guys, there are certain guys who you can go to and they're going to be honest. And I can know uh, there's a couple obvious ones and I see Mike Gill, if we could pop Kelsey's lanes, um, um, uh, Brandon Graham, Fletcher, <laughs> AJ Brown, tremendously honest. That ain't Jalen. So I, I, I don't take anything seriously when they're 10 and one from Jalen hurts. And I don't think take anything seriously when they lost three games. With Jalen. All right. Mike Gill joins us. He's, getting in the best broadcast position. All right, so I'm going to ask you to follow up on you were listening to the conversation that John and I were having here. Um, John just said you don't get much from Jalen Hurts at any point, so I take everything he says with a grain of salt. But he said in good times and in bad. When were the times ever this bad? 
2021, I would say two and five. It's a good question. But there's no uh, expectation. Prob- That's right for him with, with his, expectations his attached to it. Yeah. Right. But exactly. ex- first yeah, year, but year we didn't play at all. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there would be none. I mean, last year, you know, they didn't have essentially this team had no problems at all last year. They had no injury issues. They had no inner conflicts. There was no problems. They had they didn't lose a game followed by another loss. I mean, they lost a game that that Washington game, but then you know that quickly went away. They lost two games with Minshew, so that kind of gets thrown out. No, they didn't really have uh, any stretch of which is almost unprecedented. I mean, even the 49ers this year. They lost three games in a row. No one seems to have a problem with that. I know they had some injuries, but, you know, oh, my God, they lost three games in a row, and the sky didn't fall down on them. But you also didn't have this kind of situation going on. I definitely think it's a little different what's going on here. But, no, Hurts did not have a moment. And and I would say I, I tend to agree a little bit with what Jody's saying is the first time we saw him actually slip up, like he – the standard is the standard. It is what it is. And he says everything almost where you don't even feel like asking him anything because you know what you're getting. Yeah. And for exactly. him to finally yeah. kind of give you a crack inside of there might be something that finally has broken me in this place. It was a little eye-opening, I thought. Yeah. I took it the exact opposite way of what you were just saying, Mike. It's, you know, you don't get anything from the guy to the point where, you know, it becomes a chore to ask a question. Um, and then it became, because remember if the follow-up, he reverts, I, I, I don't have a dictionary. I'll mean it, whatever he said. Um, well, don't you take that as his moment of, uh, I just said something I really didn't want to say. And now I just want to get out of this mess. Yes. I, I took it as his moment of uh, I'm doing my usual bullshit. Let's move on. Uh, that's that's how I take it. But I, I don't think, think he, he tried to turn it into that. I think that yeah. was his way of diverting attention. It's like the meme with the guy in the fire going back into. Well, the then fire. I'll ask it. So I'll ask it to you guys since you've taken it uh, in a different way than me. So what 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 could he have been meaning? Is he saying that? The offense, everybody is not committed with them. The coaching staff, what what is he trying to say? I would imagine so. I mean that I I, I you know I, I this whole thing is interesting to me because he's the guy to me who is different, right? You keep saying what's different about this offense? You got the same receivers, you got the same offensive line, you have one different running back and one different right guard. Why is everything so different? Well, you can say the play caller is different. Okay. But he's the guy running the offense, and he's different. And we want to keep tiptoeing around the fact that he's not the same guy. He's not. It's He's not bad, but he's not great. And, and I think we don't want to acknowledge that he's not great because we want him to be great. But he hasn't been great. You're not getting a $250 million ROI right now. Why is that? Now, Barrett Brooks used to tell me a story when John Gruden was the coordinator here. He played for John. And Bobby Hoying was the quarterback. And he said, you know, John Gruden told Bobby Hoying every play where to throw the ball. He said, here's the play. Throw it to this guy. He'll be open. And Dana Bible took over and didn't tell him where to throw the ball. (laughs) And guess what? Bobby Hoying sucked. (laughs) He wasn't any good. 
Yeah. I'm not suggesting that Shane Steichen was telling Hertz what to do with the ball every play, but maybe he had some input on where the ball should go, and maybe Brian Johnson's not giving him the same input. That would be a scary proposition. And here's here's a weird thing, and I can almost guarantee you I wasn't thinking alongside the same thing as uh, Jalen. Because when he said it, I, the first thing I did was, what do I think he means by that? So I reverted to what I would think he means by that. Not me trying to figure out what he's saying, what I thought it meant. And you know what it was for me? Tackling. They tackled like crap the other night. That you talk about uh, being competitive and, and committed. Tackling is being committed. Getting guys to the ground is being committed. I thought he went to the other side of the ball was looking at his defense going 92 yards, eight plays, under two minutes. That's not committed. It probably wasn't. I, I'm not suggesting I can get inside Jalen's head. But that's the first thing I thought of. They weren't committed to getting guys on the ground. And that cost them the game uh, against Seattle. Yeah, I'm not necessarily buying that from the perspective of, of we'll use Sidney Brown because he was the biggest example of, of missed tackles, I would say, during the game. Um, you know, wait, he's committed enough to get to the position to make the tackle, but then he's not committed enough to to make the tackle? That's about technique well, you, and John, fundamentals. You're just getting there isn't enough, John. The goal is to get the guy to the ground. Obviously. You sprint but there quickly and get there looking good. Doesn't mean deadly spot if you can't get the guy to the ground. But that's not my point. Tackling is about technique and fundamentals, which Mike and I were talking about this on his show yesterday, which I, I said, show me a good tackler in college football. I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's a few. But it's not really very good at the college level. You and I talked about that yesterday, Jody, and when I was talking about Sidney Brown. You have to pretty much learn it now on the professional level. And the only way you can learn it is with live reps. And the only live reps you get in the modern NFL is in real games because they don't they don't tackle in practice. So it becomes this situation where guys get better as they continue to play. And that's been my whole argument with Sidney Brown. If you played him earlier, he'd be better now. No guarantee, but that's what I think would have happened and what I think will eventually happen. But when you're questioning somebody's commitment, that's all I'm saying. I'm not uh, – yes, obviously the goal is to get the guy on the ground. I'm saying if you're committed enough to get in a position to get the guy on the ground, something else is going on. You don't have the technique and fundamentals to finish the play. That's not commitment to me. That's He's just got to learn that part of the game because they don't tackle in college and they don't tackle in practice. No, Michael yeah, Parsons like, was a pretty good tackler in college. There are some guys that show you. I said there's a few, but that's it's bad. I mean, you guys are college football fans. You know, tackling's pretty bad on Saturdays generally, in a in a general sense. Would you guys disagree with that? Oh no, listen. I mean, it's all the way down to you know they, you can't practice anywhere. I mean, you you can't. Can't have any contact in the sport except for on the game day. So it's hard to perform when you can't do what you have to do on game day, Monday through Saturday to get ready for the game. You're just assuming, hey, we hope that you're going to be able to complete the play once the play happens. But do you guys look at this situation at all where you had um, 
press Taylor with with Wentz, and they yeah, were more buddy comp a lot. Yeah, right. I, I mean yeah. that he's not, you know, that he's just not like because to me, what is uh, he? There's so many examples we keep seeing of plays that are there. We heard Orlovsky say he's passing up on plays that are open for waiting for plays that are not open. So is he being told, go for the big play, go for the, like, is that being drilled in your head? Much like when these quarterbacks are told you can't run, you can't run, you can't run, you get that drilled in your head and then you just stop doing it. So is he being drilled? Don't take the 10 yard open play. Wait for the 25-yard pass down the field because you got A.J. Brown and he'll make the play for you. Yeah, is he being told that or is Jaley just going there on his own? Because yesterday A.J. Brown – That's what I'm asking. Yeah, A.J. Brown came out yesterday and was a little perturbed with people suggesting that his relationship with Jalen is the reason that Jalen is forcing the ball along to him that that's just not the case, that he is a decoy from time to time. The play that went down to him, that was the number one option. Well, that's play calling. Then that's on that's on Brian Johnson. If that particular play, the number one play call, the number one read is A.J. 25 or 30 yards downfield. That's just dumb. If A.J.'s telling the truth and he was the number one option, then that's on the play caller. And I'm not giving Jalen a pass here because you got to realize what's better forcing the ball into a covered guy 25 yards down the field or getting into a wide open Devontae Smith who's 12 yards down the field and that's all you need to get into field goal range to tie the game. Jalen's got to be smarter than that. He's got to move past well the number one option on this play is AJ downfield. He's just got to throw it to the guy that's open. But shame on shame on Brian Johnson if that was his call. That the number one play was to throw it to a covered, and I know he wasn't covered when the play started, but Jalen's got to see he's got some pretty good coverage on the play to force the ball to AJ Brown. That's that's on the uh, offense coordinator well, for me. And it's not only that play. I mean, we're starting to see more and more now. You know, last week we had talked about it. Well, you could pick out any three plays, but you're starting to be able to pick out more than three plays where this guy's running wide open in the middle of the field and he's going down the field. So I don't know. Maybe that's just the way they're practicing this offense. I don't know what that has to do with his commitment because that would say, well, we're committed to doing the wrong thing, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, maybe he's suggesting, hey, we are are we have commitment problems. We're we're committing to the wrong thing with this offense. We need to get back to just, you know, making it uh, get the yeah. ball to the playmakers. But you know, there's a there's a lot of this going on in the in the league right now. The league can't score. The league can't score. A lot of these teams are running this college. Well, spread certain teams can I was going to say that San Francisco yeah. team is not. <laughs> well, what's the these but what's the difference in their offense? They're not running this college spread offense that the defenses have now built. Over yeah, they the caught last... up a little bit. Yeah. Right. The defenses. defenses over the last couple of years have started to get personnel to match. You're going to spread us out. We're going to go get defenders that match that. Well, now San Francisco says, you got that small defense? and We'll go get a, 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 and run a West Coast 90s-style offense. Good luck. So the teams that have kind of transformed their offensive thinking, Dallas does it. They, they've switched, essentially. Uh, San Francisco is another one. I think you look at the Rams. It's another team that's kind of switched a little bit. Their offense is starting to take off a bit, and the defense has matchup problems on, with, with those teams. Now, they have good players, don't get me wrong, but so do the Eagles. We brought this up during the 49ers game. 
do the Eagles have any worse personnel on offense than San Francisco does? I mean, you might like you might prefer a Debo Samuel type of receiver over an AJ Brown. Are you going to tell me that he's definitively better? That's asinine. I mean, are you going to tell me Brandon Ayuk is definitively better than Devonta Smith? No. Uh, Kittle and Goddard, uh, you might like Kittle a little bit better, but is it definitive? Eh. You like the Eagles offensive line better than the San Francisco offensive line. How is that offense that much better? Well, they must, they have much better play calling and design. So I think it kind of tells you the root of some of the problems here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 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 by the way, you talking about the players, but I think we're burying the lead in this situation. I I argued, you know, if, if Nick Sirianni, I was watching a, a Netflix spy documentary, and I was thinking to myself, if Nick Sirianni was a double agent and purposefully wanted to ruin this week for the Philadelphia Eagles, he couldn't have done a better job. Could not have done a better job. How he handled that situation. Embarrassing. I don't, I don't, I, there's, I, you can't go strong enough to the adjectives. You, it was interesting because Mike, you brought up the 49ers. They lost three straight games. And I think everybody defaults to Trent Williams being hurt, Christian McCaffrey being, uh, 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 it was Christian, right? Who was hurt? No, it was Debo. Um, so it was Trent Trent and Debo, uh, being hurt. They were also struggling a little bit defensively. And Steve Wilkes was starting to get some uh, criticism because, you know, D'Amico was there. They were tremendously successful with D'Amico. So they were getting some of the same questions. What's wrong with the defense? What's wrong with the defense? Kyle Shanahan didn't blow out Steve Wilkes. I, I, I you know, and I, that's not even going to how we handled this situation. And, and the competitive advantage nonsense. How'd that work out? Um, you couldn't have handled it worse. It, it Does this alarm you at all with the head coach of this football team? Because when you have these moments of adversity, which the Eagles, as you mentioned, really haven't had since their two and five start. To me, you got to handle it like Kyle Shanahan with a steady hand say yeah we'll get back we'll get back we're a good team it'll be fine and here they are the eagles are running around like they're you know heads on fire just it's a bad look it's bad optics now maybe that doesn't matter but it can't help or can it the only other example that i think we've come up with is that Baltimore team. They, they made a change at offensive coordinator at nine and four, by the way, they lost four out of their last five games that season. And then they won the Super Bowl. Um, don't know that that's the best formula to do it. Change your coordinator, lose four out of five, enter the playoffs and then win a Super Bowl championship. Um, but that would be the only thing that I can think of, of, as you mentioned, something being, handled it at, well, I don't even know how they handled it back then it was 2012 uh so you're going over 10 years ago but as you mentioned this thing has been handled to, to just a complete debauchery the way that it, that happened and then you know I, I you said pretty steadfast yesterday John on my show that you do believe this was Sirianni's call um I'm not saying that you're wrong I'm just 
you know that there are people out there that question that. Oh, yeah, and rightfully so. I, I understand why people question it. I, right. I, By I, proxy, you have a you have a, a, a disaster because there are people who will not now they think, and as you said, if Sirianni in fact made the decision, which no reason to believe he didn't, if you're saying he did. Well, then he flat out lied to people for days. Oh, saying yeah. That, oh, yeah. You know, they, they, they lost his credibility. Um, you know, he, he made the change on Tuesday, um, according to the players out in Seattle. And that means he either lied to people three times or two times, best case scenario, if you're claiming he didn't make the decision when he talked to us on video conference, but he did. So, that means he lied to us three times. He sent Sean Desai out there as a lame duck to pretend it was business as usual. This is not leadership. Yeah, how'd that conversation go? Yeah, well, he said he, you know, he wasn't happy, but he took it like a professional and all that kind of crap. Uh, you know, that's fine. But my my point is, uh, uh, he's a leader, and and people might not think that's important, but. I think it's important. I think the strength, and I've been a Nick Sirianni fan. I think anybody who listens to the show knows that. I've been a Nick Sirianni fan, and I think it's the intangible stuff, the CEO coach, how he takes control of the whole team. That, to me, is a strength of, as a coach. Essentially, leadership. Yeah. Getting everybody on the same page. This ain't <laughs> leadership. And, and we a big question with Sirianni. It's... Okay, he doesn't call the plays. So, what is his impact as to why this team has success? The default answer is he's got to be a great leader. He's got to be the guy who motivates that team because he doesn't call the plays. Now, does he have a hand in the in the game plan? And does he? Sure, of course. But that's all part of being the the leader. But now you're starting to see a team that is losing three games in a row, and it doesn't feel like a three game losing streak where you're like. Yeah, you know, it's the ups and downs of a long season. This looks like the bubble has been waiting to burst, and now it's the holes open, and they can't get the duct tape and spackle because they've tried that. Shaq Leonard, Kevin Byard, Bradley Roby, let me go get 30-year-old guy and try to get him to help, and they're not helping. Here's where I'm with you, John, because the decision and the enactment thereafter is twofold. Number one, did Sean decide deserved to be replaced? Maybe. They're Maybe. pretty damn bad. They, they were bad. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say, oh, of course, he was god-awful. They were 10 and 3, okay? Yeah, most of it because of the offense. The size uh, side of the ball wasn't holding up the, his end of the bargain. But again, you got a grade on a curve because how he put many more resources into offense than defense during its offseason. So all those things put together into one deserves to be maybe. I'm sorry. I can't commit. I'm going to sit squarely on top of the fence on this one. But here's the one you can't argue. Let's lie to everybody. Let's blow them out. Tell the players. Have a practice, which John and I sat here going, oh, can you believe they're having a practice? Putting <laughs> the pads on? They're, they're making Jody's day. All Jody ever talks about is no practice, no practice. They collectively bargained it away. How the hell are you ever going to get better? How are you going to get through those Sidney Brown startup costs in a walkthrough? They practice it. Well, they did so for a reason because they had to work in Matt Patricia. And oh, by the way, we're not telling anybody till Sunday. 
if the decision was made on Tuesday and it doesn't leak out till Sunday, Jay Glazer on Fox, they did a pretty good job of keeping it in-house. Yeah, they did a real good job. you're asking every single one of your players to keep his mouth shut. And they're worried about not saying anything. John was trying to give Jalen a bit of a pass earlier. He just lost his mind for a second because he never gives you anything. Well, he did. You and I agree, Mike. He kind of gave us something, maybe by accident, but he did. You're asking the entire team to, if anybody talks to them, lie about the fact that Matt Patricia now the defensive pointer. That's not leadership. John said it. He is 100% right. His job is the leadership of this team. You've lost two in a row. You're getting on a cross-country flight. Your quarterback is sick, so you don't even know if he's going to play. Your cornerback had to get his knee scoped, so you got to replace him. And these guys are all worrying and wondering about, oh, shit, I can't say anything about Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia taking over, but I can't say anything because the coaches said we can get a competitive advantage by not telling anybody ahead of time. That's where he just absolutely drops the ball for me, John. The whole the cover up is what it is, and it's not yeah, cover what cover up is always worse than the crime. Correct. Um, yeah, so I agree with that part. But I I even go back to Sean Design. We could argue, Jody at ten and one. We had this discussion a bunch, and I had it with you as well, Mike. I I would say, you know, people would talk all year. Well, who's doing the better job as a first year coordinator? And I was in the minority. I would lean towards, I think, Brian Johnson was slightly ahead of Sean Desai. Slightly ahead. Most people disagreed with me yeah, for the majority of that. Because of grading on a curb. Yeah. And most people thought he was doing a good job. Now, partially because they hated the former defensive coordinator, who they also wanted fired. So the bottom line is they always want the coordinator fired. That doesn't mean you react to it. Then it came, now let's be honest, they were embarrassing against Buffalo defensively, against uh, San Francisco, against Dallas. A, those are three, maybe the three best offensive teams in football. Um, maybe you can throw the Eagles when they're playing well, but they're not playing well. Yeah, but maybe yeah. the best three offensive you teams You got to put in Miami football. in there too, and they actually uh, yeah, well, good all right. against Miami. Yeah, you can put Miami, but th- three of the best. All right, how's that? Three of the best offensive teams in football. Now, and I said this on Mike's show yesterday, if Buffalo was in week three and Dallas was in week seven and these performances, obviously they played Dallas twice, and then uh, uh, San Francisco was in week 13 and they were split. He'd still be the defensive coordinator. I agree with that. This is so overreactionary and an indication he is listening to the people he claims he doesn't listen to and the people that want somebody's head on a stick. And, And the bottom line was that is you brought up Dana Bible. If you can go back in the history of this organization, now, people do revisionist history with Frank Reich and Shane Steichen. You know, Mike Rowe, Pat Shermer, Marty, Brad Childress, Rod Dadhow, uh, Dowhauer, Dana Bible. They want everybody fired. It's baked into it. You, 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 you got to let the guy grow. Now, the only exception to that is Unless it's if Mike there Rowe. was, if there was a dust up, if he's, you know, 
didn't listen to the head coach, if there's some kind of um, behind the scenes uh, 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 personality issue, yeah, then you start talking about things going in. Then maybe you have to fire somebody. That ain't Sean Desai. Nobody believes that for a second. Um, boy, I just thought it was they for 32 consecutive weeks, they've had the best record or, or tied for the best record in football. And they panic in week 33. I, I just can't wrap my head around it, guys. I cannot wrap my head around it. I can because they did it. Yeah, quite, <laughs> whether it's it, right, it, wrong, it or is, different, they did it. And it, well, that's and that's why. It, yeah, that's why it screams a little bit of a panic situation, and it it looks as if they're telling us what I said earlier, which is. We've had these issues. It's bursting so much that we got to do something drastic to try to stop it because we've been trying to duct tape and spackle it together, and it's not. It didn't work, so now we've got to do something major, and that's changed the coordinator. And then you go back to the comment about the commitment. I don't know what kind of relationship Jalen Hurts had with Sean Desai. Maybe he said, maybe he thinks his guy got screwed, you know? Uh, and saying we don't have commitment issues. You, you didn't give this guy a chance. You fired him and then made us all shut up about it during the week. Uh, Mike, I got a very specific question for you. Jalen Hurts and relationships. You said earlier the quarterback is just not the same as he was last year. The uh, Offensive line, four out of five, same two receivers, tight end, swap out, swift for miles. It's a change, but not a massive change. Why is the offense not as good as last year? Yeah, the quarterback's not playing as well. He, he has regressed. Can he flip it really quick and get back that? hope so, but we don't know. But people, some people, questioning his relationship with two specific people. One is A.J. Brown, who is supposedly his best bud, Godfather's kid, all those other things. Before he ever got here, before they became teammates, they were boys. And that, yeah, from time to time, you go, why is he forcing it to AJ? Why is he for? Is the relationship between those two having an ill effect on it? Shoot, Brown came out after the game and said, stop with this homeboy stuff. And I, that was the ball was supposed to come to me on the force pass down the sideline. I was the number one read. Every, uh, every once in a while, I'm a decoy. Why are you guys getting on Jalen's case, my case for this? So he was very defensive about it. The other relationship is the quarterback and the offensive coordinator, which was supposed to be a plus. That oh, They've known each other since Jalen was uh, knee-high to uh, Volkswagen. Maybe they're too tight. Maybe they're too close. Maybe the offensive coordinator can't get on the quarterback's case and get in his kitchen when he needs to because they're that close. Do you have any worries, Mike Gill, about the relationship between A.J. and his star wide receiver? And AJ and his longtime family friend, offensive coordinator. The coordinator one is interesting. That, that I mean, the suggestion that you can't coach him hard enough um, because they're they're so close, so that he doesn't feel comfortable doing it. I think that would be the one. I mean, because look, the 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 AJ Brown, you go through these things all the time. Sometimes you don't even like players that you play with. But when you're the coach and you are have that type of relationship 
and you don't know how far over the line you can go. Now, maybe he coaches them really hard. We really haven't heard what their coaching relationship is like here. But we've seen that type of relationship change the quarterback here in the past, where Filippo was a guy who coached Wentz very hard, and the next guys, not so much. And, you know, a lot of people thought that went into Carson's regression. Did it? I don't know. I mean, Carson had a lot of injury problems. I think that helped his play deteriorate at a very rapid pace. Yep. He just wasn't the same player uh, after the injuries. I mean, the guy that they drafted was not the same physically down the road. And part of his ability to play at the level he did was his physicality, his ability to run. When you took that away from him, he was just a guy inaccurate throwing the ball around. So the coaching aspect of it for Hertz is interesting because is Brian Johnson pointing out his flaws and telling him what he's doing wrong? And is he doing it in a way that Hertz is processing it? It seems that everywhere he's gone, he's had these tough coaches on him. Does he finally have that? You know, it's all, it, it kind of lines up weird because you hate to bring up his contract. But it's finally worked out in his life where he has been the underdog. He's been coached hard. He's had his dad. And I finally don't have any of that. I got the money. I got the starting job. No one's taking it from me. I finally don't have to be the underdog. And you hate to see that be the story if, in fact, it is. Because one of the reasons why, you know, I thought the Eagles were in a horrible spot having to pay him that deal. You had two resumes seasons to read. One was very mediocre. The other one was almost an MVP. You weren't allowed to pay him in the middle and say, well, you only did this one year and you did that one year, so I'll pay you in the middle. You had to pick one. You had to let him keep playing on the mediocre deal or you had to pay him to be the great guy. You couldn't say, we want to see more. So you picked the great one. And now he has that deal based on that. And I said, you know what? This guy, his whole life, all he's done is work hard. He's worked hard. That's been his narrative. Whenever you asked anybody about him, it wasn't, man, he's so accurate. Man, he's got a great arm. Man, he makes all the right reads. It's He's the best leader I've ever been around. So why would you question that he would not work as hard? And I don't, I'm not questioning that. That's why I think the deal that he got, I wasn't. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All that worried about. And not that I'm saying I'm about it, but is all these things now, you know, we're all human. Has, has it all caught up to him that, man, I'm making $215 million. I got the starting job. What more am I fighting for 
if this is all the narrative about me leading into this. So I hope that's not where he is if the coach is also now enabling that mindset. You know, the coach is the guy who says, come on, man, just because you got your stuff doesn't mean you have to quit working as hard. Yeah. And and you wonder. At Mike Gill's show. Like I talked about with uh, Carson Wentz, are these injuries starting to hit him a little bit where it is lessening his play? Yeah, I would think that more than anything else. At Mike Gill's show uh, on Twitter, X, um, 97.3, the Sports Bash, all for the rest of the year, though. Uh, is, is that correct? You're done, I- Gill? Done for 2023? Yeah, well, we got a lot. Yep, I'll be back January 2nd. January 2nd. Tell Josh, I don't know if I'm going to be there. I think Nick Sirianni's going to talk at 3.15 today. Uh, we'll see. We still don't have the schedule. Um, but I will say about Brian Johnson before you go, uh, people forget the difference because I've heard the press Taylor comparisons a lot. One press is a very good coach and he's an example of the nonsensical scapegoating of this organization when you don't re- reach expectations. So I think part of it is the the fan base here thinks he was a really bad coach. He's proven since he's not. And by the way, the Eagles told you for years, hey, this guy's a rising star. And then when they needed a scapegoat, they kick him in the butt on his way out the building. Uh, so part of that is crap. And then Jalen Hurts, all anybody talks about, son of a coach, loves hard coaching. Nick Sirianni yells about him. All of a sudden, you can't yell at him. I don't buy that for a second. I think there's a lot of issues with this team, but it's not because Jalen Hurts can't be coached hard by Brian Johnson or anybody else for that matter. No, but Brian Johnson is a guy into himself. Their their relationship is their relationship. Father son is one thing. Head coach, quarterback is another thing. Father's former player, now you're off done to coordinate. I, I you don't John, if you don't know, sure as hell Gil and I don't know, but we don't see enough of how Jalen and the offense quarter interact to know for sure how that relationship goes. People always want the coordinator fired in this town. Always. I, always. I didn't I didn't call for his head. I just no, I'm not talking about you. We're contemplating. We're wondering about. A lot of the fans who want Sean Desai gone, Brian Johnson gone, Jonathan Gannon gone, everybody down the Dana Bible who Mike Gill brought up and probably should have been gone. There sometimes they should be gone. Um you know, everybody, you know, everybody, doesn't matter who it is. You're going to want the next guy fired. So be very wary of that. That's very true. All right, Mike Gill, thank you very much for coming on. Enjoy your downtime, brother. Have a happy holiday. That's Mike See you, everybody. I'm 365. I think his speaker was on a little bit delayed today. I don't know. I think we got a lag when he goes away from the, the tile man. So wherever he usually does it, then we get a lag. And we didn't and we didn't even ask Gill about his t-shirt. Uh more importantly, will the bathroom be done by the time Mike Gill returns here to Birds 365? All right, McDonald McMullen, quickie timeout. We're running late. Uh, we are a mere 12 minutes away from being joined by Chris Franklin for NJ.com here on Birds 365.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac, your Mac and Mac Parts 365 guys hanging with you on a Wednesday. Are we assuming it's a walkthrough Wednesday today here, Johnny Mac? They had no, no way. There's no, uh, they're not they're getting playing, handed up again today. No, they're playing. They're not even practicing. They're, remember, oh, that's, it's a Monday, Monday game. Yeah. What am I thinking? They're playing I Monday. So. Christmas. My bad. Nick Sirianni's going to have most likely a virtual press conference at 3.15. That should be a fireworks show. But, uh, um, it's a good yeah. thing and it's then, virtual. It, it allows them to kind of move on a little bit easier than we guys are actually in the same room with them, does it not? Um, well, he got through some of it in Seattle. Um, and then we'll see. I do. I, I should say Matt Patricia is going to talk about the defense. So, um, you know. Now, is that happening tomorrow or is that? Don't know yet. Don't have the schedule, but it will happen. Um, you know, I don't know. Remember, whoa, 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 whoa. timeout, Philadelphia. Sean decides still a defensive coordinator. Why would Matt Patricia be talking to you guys? Well, that's what I said. He technically they could have done that, um, and said uh, Sean's the defensive coordinator, and I joked use him as the uh, press secretary, uh, so to speak. Um, and not have uh, Matt um, talk, technically they could have done that. I go back to Doug Peterson's last season when the Eagles didn't have an offensive coordinator, partially because um, Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman wouldn't let him name the guy he wanted to be offensive coordinator. Um, And they kind of rotated that year, uh, did some different things. But, um, you know, in Seattle after the game, 
His first question was, you know, why did you go from Sean to Matt? Um, who made that decision? When was it made? Uh, and he went through all that. And uh, then it was, why did you make it? And then it was, who has the final say on defense? And he said, Coach Patricia. And at that point, I checked with the NFL. He said it. He's got to talk. Um, so if he would have said, you know, and I don't know, I don't know if he wants to do it. I'm saying, but he could have softballed it the way and said, "Hey, Sean's the defensive coordinator. Sean's going to talk." But if you say Matt's in charge of the defense, it's not the titles that matter. It, it matters who's in charge, and he's on record, so he can't get away with it now. And oh, by the way. Um, as you've noted now here a couple of times, they hung Desai out to dry last week. Oh, they, yeah. they had already made the decision, and they let Desai go up there as the defensive coordinator to answer the question about what. So they did that to him once. Now, if they attempted to do it to him again, if Sirianni had walked that fine line as you were just potentially describing, if he'd gone down the road of, well, it's a combination effort. They're, 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 we've decided that should, the Sean's, uh, Sean's a better in the booth and well, Matt might be better down on the field. They could have. They could have edged. They chose not to, which I'll give them credit for at least doing that. They didn't try and string it out. They could have done that. to decide. If they did that to him, it was bad enough what they did to him last week. But that would have been just stone cold embarrassing. Remember, it happens a lot on the offensive side of the football. And Andy Reid's a good example of this. And uh, uh, Doug Peterson, as I mentioned, was an example. Sometimes they change play callers, and you don't even know it. You know, Andy toggles back and forth. He would let Doug call plays maybe for a half here and there. Um, he would let Eric Bieniemy call plays sometimes. Sometimes he'd take it back. Uh, he does the same thing now with Matt Nagy. Uh, he's done it for years. Um and nobody knows unless you tell them. Um, and Doug Peterson, nobody knew. Nobody knew uh, Rick Scangarella and Press Taylor were doing some of the play calling until he told us. Nobody knew. Um, uh, with Which Nick by, Sirianni. By the way, and I know this is, is really old news, but I get it. You're trying to make a point. You don't believe that was Peterson's call, do you? I always believed it was Andy's call. I think Andy... For different reasons, number one, trying to get guys up to speed, do the right thing by his coaching staff, have a different voice on the headset. There were a lot of uh, methods. Uh, yeah, it was completely Doug's choice. Doug loves play calling. And Doug, they were struggling offensively. And it was very limited. Um, you don't I think there believe... was a push from, from above on that? No, because they weren't calling plays. They were calling – Rick was calling, I believe, and I could be – I could be getting the op. One was calling uh, red zone and one was calling hurry up. That's it. Not the whole game. One was calling specific situation, hurry up situations. One was calling red zone. I, I think Rick was red zone. I think press was hurry up. I could be conflating that, but they weren't calling the game. They were calling just specific. It was completely Doug's idea. He wanted to get a spark, blah, blah, blah. It didn't work. Um, but nobody knew. No, and I don't even have to go back to uh, um, Doug Peterson. Nobody knew at the time Nick Sirianni gave up play calling to Shane Steichen. 
Nobody knew until weeks later when he admitted it. Nobody knew he gave it up for the Chargers game um, in that season. Nobody knew. Go back. Nobody. Um, so uh, you can you can do it in a certain way, as I pointed. You could do the same thing defensively, and you could have not told anybody. And just you know, if Matt wants to do it from the sidelines, just have him come down from the coach's box, have them both down on the sidelines, and then you could have went through the whole season with with Sean decides the defensive coordinator, run him up like a, a press secretary, as I said, do all the press conferences, talk about the defense and, and really Matt Patricia. And they, you know, he probably would have admitted it after the season. Um, but it, it, teams do it offensively all the time. Why can't you do it defensively? I'm not saying that's what they should have done. That's what they should have. I'm saying they could have done it if they wanted to handle it in that fashion and not create this uproar because they've created this uproar, which has created panic. And then you start and Jeffrey Lurie's history. Isn't Nick Sirianni's problem. Howie Roseman's history. Isn't Nick Sirianni's problem, but he should know their history. Right. No, that it could become his problem real quick. Yes. He should know their history and he should know the, the, the fuel this would have put on the fire. It's all part of it. And I just don't think he handled it well. I just don't think he handled it well. And the way you laid it out, John, and I'm going to lay this at your feet and Chris Franklin's feet and every other Eagle Beat reporter's feet, then aren't you kind of like obligated every week to ask the quarterback and who's calling in the place to your headset? Mm -hmm. You kind of need to get that confirmed and denied on a week in, week out basis that it is yeah. someone, not someone else. Because if there's a history of it going on here in this organization for weeks at a time and nobody know about it, knowing about it till after the fact, I guess you got to check it every week and just make sure who was calling them <clears> to <throat> you there, uh, Jalen. You sure it was your former well, uh, father's and, and, and again, it's not, it's not just Philadelphia. It's more offensively than defensively because offensive play calling is more intricate than defensive play calling, to sure. be honest. Um, but it, it, it happens all over the league, and it's sort of baked into the process. When you're struggling, some guys just want to spark. Um, some guys want to change. Um, so it can happen a whole different ways. Andy's the best example because Andy's so ingrained. Um, and he – Andy takes pride in his guys going on to become head coaches and he wants to get them ready for that. So he takes pride in that part of it. Um, it's, it's generally only a good thing in Kansas city and other places. It's not necessarily a good thing, but and in the case of here with uh, Shane, it was obviously a very good thing. So. Yeah. And I can pretty much assure you that it will not be, Paulie Walnuts calling into the place to Tommy DeVito this weekend. It's going to be Brian Dable. It will not be uh, Christopher Malasante calling into place. Uh, Sean uh, Stellato uh, getting getting axed by Tommy DeVito because he turned into a a giant you-know-what when he had the opportunity to make a little bit more money. Right, but you saw it was just for his uh, promotional vehicle. not uh, for his. And, oh, by the way, Tommy DeVito's going to get paid at some point. Uh, not Jalen Hurts' money, but 
he's gonna his contract's up at the end of the year. He's on a one year deal. He's gonna do okay. Come on, Sean. He, he's You're price gouging after one win. He's price gouging. He did, and that's why good on Tommy DeVito. He said, No, no, I agreed to do it for this price. I'm gonna do it for this price. We can't gouge thereafter. So he told him, Yeah, I'll be handling this myself. But he did not fire him as his agent for the upcoming key negotiation he could have during this offseason. All right, Jesus McMahon on McDonald. We see Chris Franklin in our guest waiting room. He is chomping at the bit to join us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, and Christopher Franklin. You're Chris Franklin. 
I'm just double checking. You are Christopher, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in trouble. That's the only time I usually hear that. Like, Christopher, like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> the do reason it. I ask is because <laughs> some people have Christian as a first name. And oh, you just you. assume that it's Christopher, and I could be completely wrong. I don't want to be no. calling you something that you're not. So uh, th- thank Let's you. Let's go sir. with Cristobal. How about I've that? been called a lot worse, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I've been called a way a lot worse sometimes, too. So, yeah, I'll take Christine, Crystal Ball, whatever. It's not some of those words <laughs> that uh, one of the seven words, what have you else. Chris Cross Franklin, they, I, I, maybe your parents were inventive when they, they had you back when and wanted to get fun, have some fun with your name. Uh, never mind. Here's the question <laughs> I got to ask for you, Christopher Franklin. Um, out there in Seattle, when you were out there, did you, on that massive amount of money that uh, NJ.com pays you, did you buy, buy any, bring back any fish for the wife? Yeah. Uh, first off, unfortunately, there's no wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, mom, then. Come on. Mom, mom, no, I, you could have come in with a big halibut for mom and said, Mom, have at it Christmas Day. Oh, that's a joke. Now, you know, I can't, I can't do that because you know, having to travel back, because yeah, I, because yeah, I don't want to, you don't want to be the guy bringing the fish on the plane. You don't Come on, you don't want to get away with it, Franklin. Look at that face. Yeah. Who's gonna give him a hard time? Well, I'm, I'm always using the random, quote unquote, random guy in TSA. The last thing I want to do is bring a fish, and they go like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And then I had to make a stop in Phoenix. So you want the, you want the heat to get to oh, that? The heat, oh, man. the heat on top of it. I, you had to fly yeah. to Phoenix to. And and God bless both you guys, because uh, when you fly and the the routes that they take, oh, go to how the yeah. hell do they make you go a thousand miles south to go uh, three thousand miles across the country? Yeah, I, I've been uh, close. I had to go first on the way way through there. I had to go to Dallas and then go way up, and then that way, yeah. So it was uh, it helped the miles a lot, but still, it's crazy yeah. <laughs> to see that. Now, no now, did you me. catch because it's you know. You gotta catch the fish from a pike place. So you gotta you gotta sit there and catch the forty pound fish. Did you do that? <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to go there because I was so beat. I was so beat from the first time from the first flight. And then also all that I craziness know. happened on, on on Sunday too. So I was like, Well, it goes there. I got to see the space needle, which was pretty cool. Go up there. Cool. But, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. Chris, because people say, oh, you get to go to all these cities. That's cool. And it's like, you're so tired. You don't, you don't do anything. You're in, you're out. Um, occasionally you go out to dinner and get something done, but yeah. And especially when you're in Seattle, God bless you. I hope you got some rest, but uh, yeah, that is <laughs> one guy that is I- the worst trip of all. One, one hour, one hour sleep. Uh, or that one. I got some. I called up my sleep this morning, but it was one hour sleep after when filing the last story and then wow. having to get up to go to the airport. So yeah, I was good. Um, <laughs> and one guy who I guarantee you didn't go down and catch any fish. That'd be Quez Watkins because he. Oh no! Oh god! Uh, Chris, Chris, hey, hey, the elite Quez Watkins. Remember, he told you guys yeah. that before the season started. Now. Chris, you did a good job because you were the one that I saw that said Nick Sirianni kind of confirmed. Well, the players kind of confirmed out there. They made the change on Tuesday. So by that, Nick probably lied to us three times, maybe only twice, but I'm guessing three times. And uh, they they trumped up Sean Desai poor, as a lame duck out there. Just how he handled this week. I think it was awful from a leadership standpoint. 
Now, if you want to make a change, you, want, you can argue that. Uh, I think it's too late in the season to be all that meaningful. I think it's baked in. They're going to get better because the competition's weaker. And the only true test will be when they get to the playoffs. But just from Nick Sirianni's handling of the week leading up to that game, is it as bad as you think I think it is? Because I think it's egregious. Personally, I thought I would, if I was going to make the change, I would have done it on Tuesday. If I would have met with the players, like if you wanted to meet the players and talk to them, you talk to them pretty much after the game or early in the morning, the, the, the affected people. If it's a text, if it's a, hey, I need you guys on a Zoom call, let you know. Because the reason why is it just, to me, it became a distraction a day before a game. Because if you had made the change, I know, I know, and I know every year I'm saying, like, we wanted to keep it in house to house. It was eventually going to find out. Wait, wait, because you see Shorten Size usually on that field. It's like, wait, he's not there. Matt Patricia's on the field. Something's up here. So I, I look at the way they handled it. It was handled. I thought it just could have been, it could have been done. Just have it done a little bit earlier in order to and do that well, process. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the announcement, the leak out. I'm talking about the way he handled it. Obviously, in-house, the guys knew, and they did a good job for the most part. Uh, until somebody leaked it to Jake Laser. By the way, I can figure out who that is, but uh, I'll keep hmm. that to myself. Hmm. But uh, oh. um, <laughs> I, I, but beyond that, just the way he handled it in house, and and you bring up a good point. Uh, you know, we, he talks about competitive advantage to a ludicrous degree. I think it's so overrated. Um, but if he wanted to keep a true competitive advantage, and he wants to argue that point. Put them both on the field. Just have Sean decide there. Just have Matt Patricia there. Nobody knows. They changed offensive play callers. Chris, we didn't know they changed to Shane Steichen until, yeah, that's true. until we were told. Um, yeah. If he wants a true competitive advantage, do it that way. Nothing about it makes sense to me. Nothing about it. Yeah, it, it was that part was, I thought, a little weird. Like, especially not to have the side air on the sideline. It, it was just. This is weird. I get. I understand why they changed it. I don't know. I thought you could have done. It. If you're going to do it, you could have done it sooner to give a flow instead of the last games. Because now you're looking at a situation set up where you have these last three games against the Giants and the Cardinals, and all of a sudden Patricia, it, it, they should roll. I don't know they will, but they should roll to the point where it's like, oh yeah, it was going to be great. Like, is it a bunch of pyrite or is it regular? You don't know when it comes to that. But it's I uh. Ugh. <laughs> Poorly. Oh, uh, real quick, I gotta, I gotta jump in. News, breaking news. We need a breaking news sounder, uh, Xander, from our buddy uh, Mike Garofolo. The latest hit: Net Landon Dickerson, thumb surgery, expected to miss minimal time. Won't be placed on the IR, uh, but minimal time means he's going to miss some time. So right. now you, you're not going to have Landon Dickerson. It looks like on Christmas, um, who knows if Cam Jurgens is going to be back. We're going to see Tyler Steen and Suo Peta potentially. Ooh, the yeah. wheels are coming off, Chris Franklin. You know, it's uh, especially when I, in, in, in the biggest part of losing Landon is that's that left side is the strongest side that they run to. Like, yeah. he, he, you have all that mass around there with, with Mylotta, with Mylotta and Dickerson. That's that's a big loss. I think it, Cam, when you lose Cam, when you lost Cam, I thought that was a significant effect. You lose continuity. When you lose that left side, 
of having Mylotta running with Dickerson and the push they get from there, and especially the edge. You look at the yards per carry to that side; it's the highest. It's the highest on on direct rushing direction they have on the team. So that's a huge loss in terms of that, and especially with the Giants, how much they like to blitz, and you don't know you know different directions, it could become a problem. It really good. All right, Chris Franklin, uh, we're, we spent a lot of time since the game the other night talking about uh, the defense and not enough time about the offense, at least in my opinion. And I think the offense was more culpable. The defense didn't help. The defensive line get no pressure, inability to tackle. Don't give them a free pass. But the offense uh, should have been much better against the Seahawks. And the offense in general, all year long, Jalen Hurts has either gotten backwards or regressed. Call it what you want. We we agree. You understand that's basically the same thing. There are probably 20 reasons why that's the case. In your opinion, what's the number one reason that Jalen Hurts? If we can all agree that he's not as good as he was last year. He's gone backwards. He's regressed. Call it what you want. What's the number one reason why? He's not taking what the defense gives him. He's not, he's not finding that open option. I think that's the biggest thing. I, I understand you want to make a big play, make that explosive play. You got the receivers to do it, but sometimes you can't force it into double coverage. Sometimes you can't force it triple coverages at times too. It's nothing wrong with taking a check down for five yards and using that to get, keep the drives going now, especially early on, especially if it's uh, with these ability for these receivers to get yards after the catch, it's there. It's, it's very much there. And it doesn't help this. I know it, doesn't, and, and this is not Jalen. This is not me saying Jalen's looking for stats or anything like that for it. So, or think of that way. It's not. It's something when it comes to. It's, it's nothing wrong with going with three or four yards on first or second down and getting yourself in those second, third, and shorts. To then to the point where you have to now you're looking like okay you got force something in their third defense. So you're doing on third and long. Now you really you really play to their well, advantage. So if it's not ego and overconfidence, what is it? If you say well. It's just missing. It's just, I think he's missing some receivers. Uh, just, I think it's some of that's there. You just not. He's just trying to make force a big play. I, I think that's the that's the case of it. Trying to force it down the field. Now, judging by social media, because I thought you know we don't know. We don't know the progression on certain plays. That's why I always try to tell people to be careful. You know, when you take screenshots or whatever, and say so and so is open, maybe that's not where the progression is supposed to go. Nick talks about it all the time. Now, AJ's out there battling with bands, as he's wont to do on occasion, um, explaining that he was the first read on that particular play. And I don't even want to go. That's a bad – then that's a bad play call in that situation. Yeah. Because all you need is getting in field goal range for Jake Elliott. And even if it, that play's completed, you're at – maybe the 20-yard line with six seconds. So you make it an easier field goal, but the, there, there's not really a, a, a great upside. It's not like you're going to get a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But the larger point to me is, and it could be Slay, um, could be Kenny Gainwell going back to the halftime incident. We haven't talked about this. This team's got to get off social media. Can you even do that in this era? Uh, no. I mean, they got to get away from it. It's toxic. Yeah. And it's affecting them, I think. Certain, at least certain players. No, you can't. That's that's the livelihood. That's where everybody lives it now. It, it really is, and it's the first thing they, they go to when not just halftime and in a game. You like go in that locker room. You see it too. There's like you know, down the phone, check it a little bit, and 
then they go on some of them still are in the past but they're still checking it out and everything too so it's one of those things where you wish you could get away from like you say hey listen because we sometimes you know this fan base sometimes like they'll win or lose so yeah you'll have people going yeah but or if you lose they'll really come after you it's a lot of times we just gotta say you know what just get away from it man like it's 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 rough and, and he's he's nuts too because when he looked at last week like that 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 uh, when he was attributed to that quote that uh him yeah, being yeah. a source yeah. he wasn't like it's that just only just gets you fr- more and more frustrated like, it's one of those things where I look at. I remember what he said earlier in the year, like he was going to give it up, and then now you see him back on. It's like, yo, stay away from it. It's, it's nothing good's going to come out of this, unless you want to say, hey, you know what? I gave away X, Y, Z for a toy drive or whatever. You want to see what people say after that? All right, yeah. That, but other than that, especially around the time of the year. But right now, just just stay away, especially in Jordan losing streak. And I think even worse than social media is podcasts. The slight podcast could be very detrimental to this team going forward. I'm sorry. The, yeah, the, what do you get on my case for? I played, I played perfectly. Everybody else didn't. Throwing his teammates under the bus. That was because he got, uh, had to have the surgery and he wasn't around for the tail end of this week. That became a much lesser story. But that could have been a huge divisive story as well when he's calling out his own teammates after a game in which you got your tail kicked as a team by the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, I I did my job. What are you getting on my case for? Is this team splintering, Chris Franklin? I I don't think they're splintering yet. Uh, Just just the way – I think you usually can tell, like, when they're – you can usually tell a lot when it's splintering because it's a lot of that quietness, a lot of that, eh. I don't think they're splintering yet. It's one of those things where I think they lose two more. And they get bounced first round. You won't see them then, but I think it's one of the things that's when you start seeing really start seeing things fly after that. I don't think there are right now. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they nipped it in the bud ASAP. Like they, somebody goes approaches them and go, "Yo, just tone it down a little bit." I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, one of the other people, said that around there. Maybe Nick did too. Who knows? But I don't think they're. I don't think they're splintering just yet. But it's it's. Boat, the boat's shaking a little bit. <laughs> the boat's shaking right now, especially yeah, losing the losing uh, ghost were long to that. The boat's taking on some water, no question about that. But I think the schedule helps them out. Uh, I don't, boy, I can't even imagine them losing. Um, I, I guess I could imagine them losing one of the final three, and that would probably be if they're not completely playing in week 18 for whatever reason. But, um, Boy, the schedule lightens up, uh, and that's part of my problem with the change of coordinator. You knew you were going to get better for, for these final four weeks. Um, now, if Nick Sirianni believes Sean decides that bad at his job, then he got to move on. So I got to believe he thinks he's that bad at his job, and he had to move on. Otherwise it doesn't make any sense because you're going to have this. And as you mentioned, you're going to have this improvement over the final month of the season. Now, most people are going to leave the context out of it. And then you're going to get to the playoffs and maybe it's not even the first round, but then you're going to have to face Detroit or Dallas and then San Francisco. If you're lucky enough to go as far as the NFC championship game, And then you're talking about the offenses that you could not stop. I don't think anything's going to change from that perspective. 
Uh, they're just not equipped. Unless Avante Maddox gets back. Is he the savior? The <laughs> practice? The practice window. Is he cleared for, is he cleared for a walk through Thursday? The Have practice you found that window, out yet? The practice window is going to start this week. Um, I don't know when they're going to do it officially, but it is going to start this week. Um, can a can a slot corner and Abante is a very good slot corner. Can he make a big difference on this team if he's able to get back? I think it helps a little bit, especially in between the numbers and what you can do. Because I thought he's when it comes to their defensive backs, I think he's their best blitzer that they have. We saw him come off the corner yes, at the edge a few times, so I think that's he can impact you in some of those packages and in, in that in that way. But I don't know if it's one of those things where you like, all right, the defense is all cured, everything happens, and don't worry, everything is fine, everybody. It's, don't worry about this. I think there's still some issues with this defense that are beyond Avante Max. He helps certainly he helps out a lot, it, but you got to put the caveat of how long will he last there too. That's another thing yeah, too. You just came back yeah. from that. Yeah, I wonder how long he's going to be there. So it'll go a long way. And, and you mentioned those three game, easy games. I'm not so sure. That Cardinals game. I know it's the Cardinals. I'm not so Kyler. sure. Kyler can do some things. Yeah. yeah. And and we seem to see this defense with mobile quarterbacks and how they've hurt them in the past. So I don't think that game – the Giants games, I think they're manageable. I, the way this team's playing right now, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. I think it's going to be a little – Well, it, I think their defense the is playing well, the Giants' defense. But the problem with the Giants is they don't let Tommy DeVito do anything. They don't they don't even let him do anything. So if they're down by a score, then they might uh, let him chuck chuck the ball to try to win a game as he was able to do against Green Bay. But they but half of it is they don't even let him do anything. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about explosive offense like like Kyler Murray. So say I know, and I know it's, it's, it's nowhere near when it comes to comparison because of the, the receivers the Seahawks have. But when it comes to Drew Locke, same thing. It's like one of the things. Like that's like I look at them and I'm like Drew Locke. Drew Locke's a new Joe Webb in that aspect of is a guy you feel to contain, a guy you shouldn't stop, a guy who you never who should not have marched that team down ninety two yards down in the last few minutes. Should not nowhere near that. Even with yeah. the receivers he have, is Drew Locke, and yeah. let that happen as well too. So. I think we're at the point with this team where you can't take anything too easily. You can't take anything. There's no gimmies. They lost that right, I think, especially with these losses. Even though they're tough losses, but the way they lost is, I think, those are the ones you can't get any gimmies with this team now. Uh, uh. All right, Chris Franklin, I need you to put something on the scale for me. And I'm not talking about the fish that Quez Watkins dropped in Seattle. No, this is a different <laughs> different type of scale we're talking. He didn't even about he didn't drop it. He didn't even get near it. That's the problem. Yeah, it's always the problem with Quest. Um, on a scale of zero to ten, ten being, you'll have to excuse me. I've just soiled myself. <laughs> zero being, laugh, <laughs> laugh Whoa. out loud. あ、ジョーカー。ジョーカーラフ。You're worried level of Tommy DeVito from oh, you bet I'm scared. He's Tommy DeVito to laugh out loud. Come on. He he and his agent will be on a Sopranos episode in the remake next week. How worried are you about the
he still has some elusiveness and just this defense. I, I it's, it's more uh, against this. It's more about this defense as it is right now than it is him as a player. And when I look at the way they're playing, sure, okay, they got a little bit better last week, but there's still a lot of it. There's still a lot of question marks, and he he can move around a, a bit in the pocket. It, it, it reminds it's, he's like the ver- cheaper version of Dan- Daniel Jones. And I know that's not saying a lot, but when you look at the way that Daniel Jones has been able to pick up yards on the ground against team and when scramble drills and everything else, yeah, it's one of those things where he just gets like if it's third and seven, he can get your eight and first down, keep the drive going. Yeah. They stay on the field longer, and then Saquon just. All right, I'm going to stick up play. for Matt Patricia here, man. <laughs> I'm I'm going to stick up for Matt Patricia here. Now, look, they lost the game, so they and they lost the game the way they lost the game. So I get it, but the bottom line is they gave up 20 points. They gave up under 300 yards. That's a game you should win with the Eagles' offense. I I said it from the start they should have won that i blame the offense more than the defense for that Fair. loss um it, 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 part yeah i'm i'm at a two with the giants offense now i'm with a six with their defense they don't try to do anything so it, 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 it's partially on them they don't even try to do anything because they have no confidence in the quarterback so if they're not trying, and I realize the Eagles defense hasn't been good, um, and my biggest problem, by the way, is third. There were two third and tens, including the game winner on that final drive, Chris. So third and long still a problem. James Bradbury, man, I love James Bradbury. It hurts me to say, but he is having a bad season. Uh, great guy, but he's having a bad season. Um, there's plenty of issues. But when the other team's not trying, I mean, he can't be that worried. I can't go past 50%. They won't even let him pull the trigger. So what's to worry about? Yeah, but, John, you realize that in his last four starts, Tommy DeVito has thrown for more passing yards than Jalen Hurts did this past week against that Seattle. Well, Jalen Hurts was at 140. I just blamed the offense was atrocious. What was he this week, 140? Right, but the Eagles are playing the Giants this week, which means Tommy DeVito against Jalen Hurts. Tommy DeVito's been as good, if not better, than Jalen Hurts. Quickie quiz for you, Chris Franklin. In six games that Tommy DeVito has started this year, how many times has he had a quarterback rating of over 100? I'm going to go, I'll say two. Three. I'll go two. Three. In 13 (laughs) starts this year for the Philadelphia Eagles, how many times has Jalen Hurts had over 100 quarterback rating? Uh, I'll say three. Four. I want you to clip that, Sander. Clip that to uh, Eagle Nation. Uh, what what was the exact quote you said, Tommy DeVito? Uh, um, uh, man, I already forgot it. But you you're comparing Tommy DeVito to Jalen Hurts this season. Uh, <laughs> Recently, uh, uh, yeah, I, I and John, hey. you were the one who said John. And a quote, Chris Franklin. I wouldn't bet on Brock Purdy to win the MVP because I prefer to bet on someone who has an actual chance to win it. John McMullen, quote unquote. Not That's this is not true. a paraphrase. This is a quote. John McMullen said here on Birds 365. I wouldn't bet on Brock Purdy because yeah. no, I don't want to bet on someone who had an actual chance to win the MVP. He is so odds on now, it's ridiculous. You got to put up $250 to win a hundred. That's how much a favorite he is to win the MVP right now. 
and he mocked my 50 to one choice from Brock Purdy as MVP before the season started. I would have gone with John too. I'm not gonna lie. I would have gone with John too. Well, everybody would. Look at that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Jody's gonna spike the football on Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy is a has proven he is a legit. Again, I would laugh at you now if you want to compare Tommy DeVito to Brock Purdy. I mean, again, and, and yeah, now, now, now we've, Brock Purdy we've had we done we, every single week. Jalen's not. We 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 can legislate. Brock Purdy to the ends of the earth. And that's why I want to get Chris Long on the show to talk about context. Context matters. He's in a tremendous offense, not his fault. He's doing a great job with it. The most impressive thing with Brock Purdy, I say all the time, Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do what he did. So he's a hell of a lot better than, than Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'm not a big fan of, as Jody knows. He's a very good quarterback. But if you stick him in this disjointed Eagles offense, guess what? He's going to look like garbage because he doesn't, you know, you got to get, you got to scheme guys open. You got to get the football out of his hands quickly. Um, uh, Tommy DeVito. Yeah. I, I mean, what are we talking about here? What are, what, what are we talking about? This guy's going to be, this guy's Jeremy Lynn. He's going to be a footnote and then he's going to be gone. Might, might be. <laughs> he's going to be right. gone. He could, he could very well be Jeremy Lynn. Jeremy Lynn lasted several months, John. Are you 100% sure that Tommy DeVito doesn't come in and Jeremy Lynn? Yes, here's, here's, here's why. Here's, and again, you're looking at box score. I get it. He's had some impressive games. And again, no, I'm not looking at box score. I actually watched the game, well, John. I've watched were, the Giants play. Well, you just game. gave me statistics. So you're looking at statistics. Okay. So you need me to say it on camera. I've watched the Giants play these last seven weeks. Then you know and Tommy if you DeVito watch, has made some really nice passes. Do for they the let, for the majority of the game, if you watch the games, because I've watched the Giants games as well, did they let him do anything in the first three quarters? Are they very safe? Are they very did they even let and, him and John, if they did, chance. they they should be fired. If Brian Dable comes out and lets Tommy DeVito play like Josh Allen, he should be fired. He should be on the unemployment line, which you understand. That would be mismanaged. That would be miscoaching. Of course, you're going to keep a quarterback who's never played in the NFL before somewhat under wraps. But yes. when he's been asked to make a good throw and help him win a game, the Giants won three straight games. He he he. he my point is worrying about this offense. As a as an explosive offense against the Eagles defense, which has been struggling, half of the battle is won for them. Because my entire point is they don't let them do anything, which you agreed with. If they're in a position to win the game late, and they said in Green Bay, and that was the quote from Brian Dayball against the Packers, go rip it. We got a chance to win the game. Go rip it. So if the Eagles are 17-14, say. And he comes up and says, go rip it to try to win the game. And they lose. Yeah, you should shit shit on the Eagles. But throughout the entirety of the game, they're going to try to manage it to get to the point where they can steal the game. I'm saying the quarterback isn't going to win them games. The quarterback isn't fearful. You the won, quarterback is the game last week against Green Bay, John. I just explained it. I just explained the Green Bay game. That was the and Chris has got to run. We're sorry, buddy. I'm he's sorry, guys. Yeah, he's yeah, got, he's got to write up the land to Dickerson. Uh, Chris Franklin at C Franklin News and NJ.com. He got bogged down into one of our arguments. <laughs> I I apologize, Chris Franklin. 
Uh, Mom but and I Dad will... are fighting again. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, I, Thank I, you, God. <laughs> I will. I will see you later in the week, hopefully, talking to the new de facto defensive coordinator. So I'm sorry, Chris, but no, yeah, you guys are good. <laughs> we get we get we get bogged down into it. Uh, but thanks again, Chris, and, and we'll continue. Yes, with our Tommy DeBito discussion. Yeah, I mean that's the game I brought up, Jody. Brian Dayball said it. You know. Go rip it to win the game. And he did it, and he deserves credit for it. But the entirety of that game up to that, they're they're playing very, very limited offense because they don't have comp, nor should they, as you yourself pointed right. out, which right. is fine. Here's, here's the only thing I'm saying, John. With the Eagle offense playing the way they're playing right now, we all watch the game on Monday night. The offense is struggling. Jalen Hurts is struggling. Can that not same thing happen this weekend against the Giants? Am I going to sit here and go, Tommy DeVito's coming down a turnpike and he's throwing for 350 and four touchdowns against the Eagles. Of course, I'm not going to sit out. You're right. They're not going to give him that chance. But can he do enough to keep them in the game and then potentially in the fourth quarter? Of course. Well, down the field, like, I don't know. Who can I use as an example? Drew Locke, 92 yards with less than two minutes to go. Could that not happen to the Eagle defense again this week? If you're dismissing it because he's Tommy DeVito, I'm telling you, I disagree with you. What, I, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm dismissing is, and we were talking about the offense, uh, have the defense struggling against the Giants. I don't think that's possible. And I said I think half of it is because the Giants offense is not trying to be explosive now. They're trying to manage games and get to the fourth quarter with an opportunity to steal games. And that's exactly what they should be doing. And that's smart coaching. And I agree with you with Brian Dayball. That's not to the point they can't go into here because the Eagles are playing so poorly. But I'll I'll try to take it this way. Um, If you're a struggling defense, you made all these changes, you changed the defensive coordinator. Um, You want a break. You want a breather. Is there a better quarterback to be playing for a breather? Oh, shit, yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, In the NFL right now? How many? Let let, let me just quick grab your list. Other quarterbacks I'd rather be playing against this week. Ty Badgin, P.J. Walker, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Well, the guys are going to start. Guys are going to start. Uh, All uh, these guys have started games for their team. No, guys who are going to start this week. I'm saying, could you have a better situation? Uh, Well, yeah, Herbert. All right. Easton Stick, you can argue. (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch that game the other night he played? I mean, you know, it showed flashes. He talk about soiling oneself. Yeah, I think Easton Stick soiled himself the other night. Really? So you are. Wow. You are being dismissive of what DeVito has done. What, what, you'd, take, what? you'd potentially take Easton Stick over Tommy DeVito, who's won three games in the last month. It, 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 Tommy DeVito, all right, you're going back to the Green Bay game, which they won. Are we forgetting last week's game? Right. He's won three out of their last four. He lost, what he what happened last week? week? What he happened most recently? They most didn't do people. anything. Huh? They didn't you know, do anything. You know he threw more yards than last week? Jalen Hurts. So are we uh, gonna are we gonna forget everything? Jalen had his worst that? game of three years. I don't know. He might have been dealing with the worst illness in the world. 
I mean, again, you're, you're you want to compare Tommy DeVito to Jalen Hurts coming off a, a Jalen Hurts game. Did he throw for more yards? Sure, he threw for more yards. 141. Once the last time Jalen Hurts threw for 141, I'd have to look it up. It was his worst game in a very long. You were the one who said, let's look at what Tommy DeVito did last week. You shrunk Tommy DeVito down to one week. That's okay. What do you mean? Because you're down to one week. I didn't shrink. What's the difference? I didn't shrink shrink Tommy DeVito down to one week and look past the fact that he won three games. I only shrunk. What did he do last week? Well, then why wouldn't you do that for Jalen Hurts? I only shrunk him down to one week because you kept talking about the Green Bay game. You kept shrinking it down to one week where he had a great moment and Sean Stiletto's out there acting like an idiot. So you want to hit harp on that. I said, well, he played again. He scored six freaking points, six points. At least Jalen Hurts was able to move the football and score 17 points. They scored six stinking points. I mean, if you want to harp on the highs of Tommy DeVito, let's harp on the highs of Jalen Hurts. That's and right. I, and I'm not, way, saying, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is 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 uh, Tommy DeVito. That's Jalen what I'm Hurts. saying. I can't idiotic. believe you're that would be ludicrous. But same, you're being really dismissive of Tommy DeVito. Like he's got no chance to come in here and play. Okay, play potentially winning against the Eagles this weekend with the way the Eagles are right now. If the Eagles lose to Tommy DeVito and give up 20-plus points to the New York Giants, and he throws for, I don't know, what's his career high? I I, I won't even, I, I don't even know. 240-something? 240. So let's put it, which isn't that great, but I'll, I'll put it at 220. I will so sh- it's only it's only been six starts. It's not like I will shit on them like nobody's business. If they, if they show up and they can't play defense, against that offense who again doesn't even try because they know the quarterback is so limited they're not even trying to push the envelope so that's half the battle that's what i'm saying and if you want to blame me for tommy blame brian dayball because he's the one with the leash on him he's got it he doesn't have a leash he has a dog collar and he's got one of those where he rips because he doesn't let him do anything Except so blame when, Brian except Dayball. When, except win three of their last four games. Blame uh, Brian Dayball. Don't talk to me. Talk to him. I'm he's not blaming Dayball. Brian Dayball him. keeps putting him out there, and he's won three of his he's last four games. He's got to put him out there. What's his other option? Who's the starting quarterback for the New York Giants? He could have gone Tyrod Taylor last week. Uh, I, I, and he should, by the way, if he wants to win games. But at this point. Man, you, you just really don't like Tommy DeVito. But I, I don't even. Why do I dislike Tommy DeVito? I'm saying Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Tommy DeVito. That's what I'm saying. Does that mean I dislike Tommy DeVito? It's better for the Giants to lose games than to win games at this point. What are we talking about? I can't believe I get bogged down in these Tommy DeVito conversations. Yeah. And I can't believe you're talking. Brock Purdy, who's your guy, and you should take credit, and you should spike the football, who's done a tremendous job. Don't compare Tommy DeVito to Brock Purdy. Come on. No, the only way I'm comparing Tommy DeVito and Brock Purdy is the disrespect that I think you've shown to both. Um. Well. That's uh, the only comparison I'm making. And, and again, I, I compare Brock Purdy to a Hall of Fame point guard, and that's disrespect to you. I can't. Yeah. 
I can't. I, I called him better than Jimmy Garoppolo. You've called him a system quarterback and yes. a game manager, too. He is a system quarterback. He is a game Was manager. Joe Montana, a system quarterback. No. Because he ran the West Coast offense. He he ran the, the offense that Joe Montana Joe Walsh put out there for him on a silver platter. But yet we never say that about Montana. He's a system quarterback. Well, how long did Joe Montana play? Well, he played his entire career. And how many Super Bowls did he win? Four for four. And 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 how long has Brock Purdy played? He's and you're comparing you're, Brock you're Purdy. Change. You're com, you're comparing Brock Purdy to Joe Montana. Here's what I'm gonna compare Brock Purdy to Joe Montana to. Let's take Brock Purdy's. Let's see, he's played 14 games this year, six regular season last year. You want to add in the playoffs? He's played 20 games, 21, 22. Let's go back and see what Joe Montana did in his first 21 or 22 games. If you want to compare where they're at in their career to where they're at in their career, uh, I'm going to suggest that Purdy laps over what Montana did in his first 21, 22. Well, you can compare football's a cyclical industry. You're going to have good teams and you're going to have bad teams if you're lucky enough to play 15 years and you're a quarterback in this league. You're going to have really good teams. If you're a really good quarterback, you're going to have some lesser teams. Um, he happens to have a really good team. It ain't always going to be that way for Brock Purdy. So if you want to if you want to proclaim he's going to be better than Joe Montana. Who, Not for his career. I'm talking about for his first 20-some-odd games. He has surpassed what Joe Well, Montana that's did. why I want Chris Long on the show. Because we need some damn context on this show. You don't put context on anything. You put, oh, if he played a season and a half with the Chicago Bears or the Carolina Panthers, Brock Purdy would be Brock Purdy. No, he wouldn't. You wouldn't even know who the freak Brock Purdy was because he's on a shitty team and a shitty organization. He happens to be on the best offense in the NFL with the best playmakers. Excuse me, I'm getting choked up. <clears throat> with the best play schemer. Not his fault. He's taking advantage of it. I tip my cap to him. He's doing a phenomenal job. He's doing a way better job than Jimmy Garoppolo, but you don't hear any of that. I say he's better than that. He's a Hall of Fame point guard, but he's a point guard, old school point guard. He dishes the football. If he's in this offense with the Philadelphia Eagles and he's going to make plays, guess what? He's not going to be as good. Now, if you put Jalen Hurts in San Francisco, this is context where Jalen's got to get football out. You got to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Bang. You got to get the football to Debo Samuel. Bang. He's not going to be as effective as he is in this offense because both offenses are built on what the quarterback does well. That's where Chris Long and the context conversation comes in. If you put both of them on Chicago, they're probably a little bit better than Justin Fields. But guess what? They're both going to have no success because it's a bad team, a bad organization with bad coaches. Everything is not the same. You're right about that. It's not the same. And you may get a different result with Kyle Shanahan's offense finally actually getting the payday and winning a Super Bowl, Finally which he hasn't been able to do yet because Brock Purdy may deliver him a Super Bowl. And if they made the Super Bowl play, with Jimmy Garoppolo. In. They made the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. They were ahead late in the game with Jimmy Garoppolo. They almost made another Super Bowl. If your favorite safety, Jaquaski Tart, could intercept a football right in his hands. Again, it's not just the end. It's not just the period. 
They have the best team in football right now, by far. If Brock Purdy doesn't win a Super Bowl, I'm not going to shit on Brock Purdy, depending on what happens in the game. Could somebody upset them in the NFC Championship game? Yes. Could somebody? So many stars have to align. San Francisco's been consistently good, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, but where Brock Purdy gets credit, and we got a wrap, but I know Xander, where he gets credit, he's a hell of a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'll be the first to say I didn't see that coming, and he deserves a ton of credit for it. But that doesn't mean he could be successful in any system, and it doesn't mean he's Joe Montana or freaking Tom Brady. Maybe he will be. But let's see him with some bad supporting cast first. Well, he's he can only play the game that he's playing right now with the team he's playing with right now. And he's playing it better than any other quarterback in the NFL. All right, Dave's McMahon. I'm McDonald. We got to get out of Dodge. Bill Colorulo, you have our apologies. We ran <laughs> over, stepping on your out power of hour. Uh, we will be back tomorrow here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.